And we are rolling live, man. Wednesday, midweek studies, right? Yeah, that's what it's all about. We got ourselves an episode session in the theme in which it falls in studying the scriptures. And it's the last chapter of Genesis. We've been going through the book of Genesis, and we're going to look at chapter 50, the death of Israel. Jacob departing and gathering to his people. And that's what we're going to be talking about. By all means, friends, please stick around. My name is Stefan Maillet. AddedSouls.com is the website. Subscribe, like, share, comment, all that kind of good stuff. If you interact with the content, it allows us to reach other people, just like you and I, who might find the substance of the material beneficial to our faith, our walk in this life, making sense of things, and having practical application, boots to the ground, Knowing how this all works together can function forward. All right, what's going on here? Well, we got to put the text on the screen, don't we? We got to do that. Before we do, a bit of housekeeping as well that is uh, extended as opportunity your way. Please consider, of course, signing up to addedsouls.locals.com. It's free to sign up over there, and there is material over there. I do post things, and uh, you can choose to support the work monthly. No amount is too low or too, or too high. It all goes towards the Added Souls ministry through the Maya family and the mission and work we labor alongside with the East Coast Church of Christ over here in New Brunswick, Canada. You can check out the .com, eastcoastchurchofchrist.com. You can check out our Facebook page, East Coast Church of Christ. There's also the donation opportunity through PayPal, email address being addedsouls at gmail.com. Or maybe you would like to have a physical address. Just reach out to me. We can have ourselves a video chat, a phone call, email exchange, whatever would ease your concerns and answer your questions is available to you. It's a wonderful and growing work. I'd really love for you to get involved and partake in this warm and wonderful blessing. So we are in Genesis chapter 50, and we're going to go through verses 1 through verse 26, if we can, within the time frame of our Hour of our hour. Huh. Language is funny, isn't it? All right, let me put this up on the screen here so you and I can look at the verses together. All right, and this is from the New American Standard Bible. Um, so if you're wondering which translation it is, that's what it'd be. That's what should be. So uh, quite, uh, quite the account. Uh, thus far, the ancestral lineage of this family and the witnessed accounts that have taken place. Uh, man, just truly fascinating. You know, uh, <laughs> interestingly enough, on a side note, as a thought, Hollywood would be wise to recreate, if you will, these, sto th these accounts uh, to the accuracy of its witness and literature and put it up on the screen and it would be blockbusters every time. It has everything you need in there. Really, it does. But of course, we know Hollywood's purpose is not to, <laughs> not to share what the Bible says at all, but rather to, uh, to destroy it at all cost. And it will never achieve its goal, of course. The scriptures have been uh, through this criticism and, and scrutiny for, for uh, millennia. They've, they've tried to, to get rid of it time and time again, but yet still it lives, it survives, and it breathes, and it, and it changes lives. And so uh, a bit of an interesting thing because it's so powerful, these accounts that we've been reading through, these families and all the drama that had been taking place. And when sin goes in, there's consequence. And when they're faithful, there's blessing. 
and uh, what can be broken, uh, what is what what is broken by lawlessness and uh, delinquency. Uh, God can repair when hearts are humble and hearts are submissive in learning and, and uh, uh, practicing love. Uh, to the description of the scriptures, of course. And uh, we had made our journey to the end, where um, Israel, Jacob, uh, is uh, up there in age, and it's time for him to depart. It's time for him to go, and uh, that's exactly what's going to take place. And in chapter 49, verse 33, it finishes by saying, When Jacob finished charging his sons, he drew his feet into the bed, and breathe his last, and was gathered to his people. I find that kind of language interesting. Of course, this is physical Israel, and the thought is to go, uh, the body uh, is to go to the same location as uh, family members, you know, their grave sites, if you will, their burial sites, uh, to be gathered there in the physical form. However, you can detect the language and the way it's revealed that there is also a reunion of sorts that takes place afterwards when the spirit leaves the body the body goes to the dirt the body can be gathered in the dirt around other family members to that end which is for our of course memory uh, those among us, uh, those of us who still live on this earth, if you will, uh, having memory of those we love who have departed. Yet there is language that speaks, of course, of the spirit. Once it has left the body, goes to a reunion of sorts as well and goes to meet the maker, which is comforting. Comforting. Uh, comforting that there is a, an afterlife and that there is something to look forward to, of course. Um, that is the great hope we have through Christ is to know that when this ends, and it will, there's something else that will never end. And we will never again have to live in a location that is drenched in lawlessness and pain and evil and all, all that stuff, loss and separation and natural disasters and all that stuff, all of it. Uh, it is very hopeful and should be very comforting. Uh, I find it sad uh, for those among, us, uh, th those among us who are godless, if you will, who do not have the hope of Christ. I mean, this is it for them. And this is how I used to live, of course, in my, per my past life. This is it. This is all we have, so live it up. Live a big party every day because, well, tomorrow we go in the dirt. We're all animals. There's no right or wrong, heaven or hell, up or down. Uh, we just have to, you know, be slaves to the dance of our DNA and destroy everything. Well, no, what a, what, a, what a very dark, discouraging, and useless existence that is, right? And one would not ask any to change or persuade any to change without evidence. That's the only thing that changed me, to be honest with you. It wasn't any feeling. It was truly evidence, tangible and defendable in an honorable court. Okay, to that end, information we go into now. Jacob has departed this earth. And he's been gathered to his people. There is an afterlife. And we shall certainly be blessed to see him there if we uh, are faithful in Christ. So now we begin chapter 50 and verse 1 here on the screen. And uh, let's go through it, shall we? Then Joseph fell on his father's face. Remember Joseph? Of course, Joseph sold off into Egyptian bondage. God was with him. 
God had him successful. He's in a position of power and leadership. He meets his, his brothers, his siblings once again through God's providence, his very siblings who had sent him away into Egyptian bondage. There's so much um, emotional investment in these accounts and uh, such a revealing application to the nature of God and to the nature of man and how both can uh, be in fellowship um, through faith. And uh, that's a beautiful thing. Here, Joseph, of course, greatly loved his father. And uh, one can understand when we say bye to a loved one in that manner, we have um, a great sorrow to persevere through, a time of mourning, a time of lament. And Joseph was no different. Joseph is a human being. And um, he's going through that moment. He's going through that time. There's a lot of history there. And, it, you know, it must have been, have you ever thought of this? Like, on, uh, in our generation, in our time, um, we're not given too many years. Like we're not evolving into these beings that live longer, if you will. And it has ebbed and flowed throughout history, of course, uh, the statistic of human life. But it's not much. It really isn't. Um, I am 47 today. Uh, not today, sorry. I'm 47 this year. Okay. Um, man, what happened, right? Where did that go? I thought I was always going to be 18 or 17 or 16 or something and, you know, live fast, die young. Well, here we are, 47. I'll be 57 tomorrow. I'll be 67 the next day, Lord willing. Though I have a hard time seeing it, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> All the damage I've done to myself in my past life. It just goes by so quickly. So you are blessed if you get to live a life of 80 years. I've been saying bye to most of my friends and family in their 40s and 50s. It's not much. And it still hurts. It still stings. It's still a challenge. It's still very difficult to deal with um, after being together for 40, 50, 60 years. Imagine being together for hundreds and hundreds of years. You know, back in the day when they lived hundreds of years, that must have been quite the thing been together for we've been to, I've been with your mother for 700 years <laughs> in today's in today's uh banter maybe one would say I was happy when it was time to say bye after 700 years with your mother you know that kind of thing I'm sure there are quote-unquote jokes to be had with that angle of things but still I mean to the to the seriousness of it right You've been with someone you love for 700 years. Got to say bye. Well, time goes by so quickly. And Joseph, with the time he had with his father, obviously saying bye is a hard one. It's a difficult one, challenging one. So Joseph fell on his father's face and wept over him and kissed him. He loved him. I miss you, Dad. I love you, Dad. You know, we all got to go through that. It's one of those things. Sometimes it's the other way around, sadly. We would love it not to be so. But sometimes the other way around father falls to his son's face his daughter's face and has to say bye i don't want to go through that i don't like i don't even like thinking about it i know it's reality and we have to be ready for it of course but i don't even like, i mean i don't know i don't like that but anyways so here it is it's life genesis 50 verse 2 joseph commanded his servants the physicians to embalm his father so the physicians embalmed israel this of course taking place 
within the realm of Egyptian culture and um, traditions and honors and respects and whatnots. Verse 3, now 40 days were required for it, for such is the period required for embalming. And the Egyptians wept for him 70 days. 70 days. Oh, that's, I went through three, four, five, six, seven. About two and a half months, I suppose, right? And the Torah like this. Yeah, about two and a half months, give or take. Wow, that's a that's a very honorable um, departure in the memories of those who are left behind, of course. And that show it, it, it certainly um, elevates uh, the witness of Joseph's integrity among these uh, Egyptians and how he was important to them and his family was important to them. And Joseph knew why. God was why. God is always why. When it is good, when it is righteous, it's God. Uh, it, it's most important we remain humble to that. A, um, a prideful brute will say, I did this, I took over, and I did this, and I built that, and I'm, I'm the one who fixed everything, and I'm a, I'm a me, 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 I, 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 look at me. And sadly, we, if you've been in the church long enough, you've, you've, seen, you've seen some of these, uh, you've witnessed some of these preachers. Um, yeah, that, that, that don't build anything, that don't do anything. Being humble and recognizing who is bringing the growth, who has brought success, who is bringing success, is God. It just is. And um, we are most thankful to God because he loves us and he disciplines us and he challenges us, he pierces us to recognize that and to bring us to our knees. You know, Nebuchadnezzar needed to go eat some grass for a while. I assure you, there are some Nebuchadnezzars that, go, that need to go eat some grass for a while. Well, because of the success Joseph had, and the socio-political position, his office, it was all because of God and God's providence and God's will, God's plan. And Joseph was a recipient of that, and Joseph was blessed for it, and he recognized it was because of God. Now, the Egyptians, of course, recognized to their degree uh, something quite unique and holy with Joseph and his family, but yet adhered to gods that do not live. They created their own gods. Verse 4, when the days of mourning for Jacob, for Israel, were passed, Joseph spoke to the household of Pharaoh, the power uh, of governing authority in his age. And he says this to Pharaoh. He says, if now I have found favor in your sight, please speak to Pharaoh, saying, my father made me swear, saying, Behold, I am about to die in my grave, which I dug for myself in the land of Canaan. There you shall bury me. Now, therefore, please let me go up and bury my father. Then I will return. So a request is made, and it's an honorable request. Joseph has made Pharaoh and the Egyptian empire very powerful. He allowed them nourishment and survival through the famine, a famine that has 
swept the, the land. Of course, all of this, God. God to be thanked, God to be praised, to his glory. So there is a request to be made. And I think we should all speak like this. I do. I've, this is how I've learned to speak, by the way. The Bible taught me how to speak words. <laughs> yes, we went to public school and they taught us our ABCs. But to have the right mind to speak and engage individuals with civility, maturity, and honor, if you will, when deserving, and at times when not deserving, um, I think that's an important manner in which we should speak. If I have, if I, if now I have found favor in your sight, you're seeking something from your employer. You can say that. You want your Sundays off to be able to gather with the church. Not only should it be revealed to your employer that you are with the church on Sundays, and it is a benefit to your health spiritually and physically, that is a necessity, but also to the integrity of your labor with this employer. And so feel no shame or reservations to speak with reason and uh, uh, respect to your employer and say, if I have found favor in your sight, if I've been a good employee, if I've been upright to you, I have a request that I believe is reasonable, and I believe you will find it reasonable as well. I've been working for you now for years, and um, you've not known me to be a delinquent or to cause problems. Um, to that end, I will need, I will require my Sundays off, or my Sunday mornings off, if you will, uh, in order to be with my church family. I love them. They love me. It keeps my mental health active and uh, uh, healthy, right? Okay. And um, I think it is a reasonable request. Have I not been a good employee? You know, and that's just an illustration in one pocket, in one department, in one branch of this massive tree. You can utilize that in all, in all relationships, in all twos and fros. It might be to the employer, to the employee. It might be the other way around. It might... You know, I'm going to need you to, to work on Mondays or I'm going to do, 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 do. And of course, that's if you find yourself in the position that you've been working for an employer and have not yet set foot in regards to your Sundays being with the church. Here's the, uh, this is a bit of a sidetrack to it, but here's the remedy to that. When you sit down for the interview, that's when you say it. It'll save you a lot of problems. You sit down at the interview and you right there and day there say, I'm a hard worker. I learn fast and you will be pleased with my labor. I have but one request, and it is one that is that cannot be moved. I gather with my church family on Sundays. It's for my mental health. It's for my well-being. I love them. They love me. My faith is very important to me. It's a priority in my life. You can have me Sunday afternoons. You can have me Sunday evenings. But I must gather with my church on Sunday mornings. Most reasonable human beings will respect that request and honor it and allow you to have your Sundays off. Some won't, and more so growing in our current fallen nation, of course. Some won't. So, well, if you're a Christian or if you're going to be that kind of a problem, then I don't need you here. To which you respectfully say, I can understand why you would say that. And I appreciate your time. 
I do hope you find the right candidate for your employment. Have a good day, sir. Oh, okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's not be too hasty here. He'll have you sit down again, right? All right. You're in control. You're in control. And uh, I find that quite interesting. Uh, that Joseph, of course, understood. Why? Because he's truly employed by God. See, that's the whole thing. If you think your life depends on if the employer says you're allowed or not allowed, you're going to find yourself in a lot of compromised situations in regards to your faith, really. But if you know that the employer is God, and this person in front of you is simply an agency of God's providence to either hire you or not hire you so that you can move on to another location that will give you more blessings uh, or provide what is necessary to put food on the table, if you will. We know that the true source of nourishment comes from God. The reason you might be employed with an employer is because of God, and God would never want you to compromise your faith. So you see how that plays out. And that's just one, like, a random impromptu illustration. We could really fit that practical application in all departments of conversation and in, in, in relationships. It could be marriage, it could be friendship, it could be family, it could be coworkers, it could be neighbors, it could be whatever. Uh, you apply the same, the same motive of the heart, the same wisdom. If now I have found favor in your sight, please speak to Pharaoh saying, and uh, that's where the request comes in. And Pharaoh said, of course, in verse 6, Go up and bury your father, as he made you swear. So Pharaoh, of course, um, he likes having Joseph around. Joseph's been good for him and his, his empire. And uh, this is not an unreasonable request. And so it is granted. In verse 7, Joseph went up to bury his father. And with him went up all the servants of Pharaoh, all the elders of his household and all the elders of the land of Egypt. May we try our best to practice that example. That we are so well seen, even from the unbelieving heathen, we are so well seen with integrity, uprightness, that they too would honor our request and mourn along with us. Now, that's pretty powerful stuff. That's, pretty, that's, a, that's a testament to, to Joseph's character. Some of us have made too much of a mess of our past lives to ever reach that kind of stuff. I, I'm speaking for myself for sure. I made a mess of myself so many times. So embarrassing. So foolish. Uh, but the Bible, the Bible's trying to make me right. It's done, you know, I've gone a long way. Well, maybe you too, right? That's all to God's glory. Really, it is. So here are uh, um, uh, all, of servant, all of the servants that belong to Pharaoh and all the elders of the household, the elders of the land of Egypt. Verse 8, And all the household of Joseph and his brothers and his father's household, they left only their little ones and their flocks and their herds in the land of Goshen. So pretty much everything that was accountable was going to be present for this uh, funeral procession, if you will. There also went up with him both chariots and horsemen, and it was a very great company. 
military, uh, the military might, um, the uh, board of judges, the courtroom officials, uh, the spiritual leads in all departments, you name it, all are there, all are present. It's it's an honor, and it's a, it's an act of honor, a, a practice of honor and farewell to someone who was um, a great asset to the Egyptian power and to the ancestral lineage and family of Joseph. Genesis chapter 50 verse 10 says, When they came to the threshing floor of Atad, which is beyond the Jordan, they lamented there with a very great and sorrowful lamentation. And he observed seven days mourning for his father. Seven days of mourning. And I can understand that when you love someone so deeply and they depart. You have to learn how to navigate through that sorrow. And a a portion of navigating and persevering through those sorrows is to express the pain in lament and weeping, uh, never allowing it to defeat us, which sadly a great many of us fall prey to uh, defeat at the hands of such sorrow, but to recognize the honor of the man while he lived and to honor him in his death by remaining faithful to Christ. You and I, of course, to God the Father in the age of Israel. So they observed seven days mourning for his father, and we are wise to take that time when things like that happen to us. It's okay to take the time to sorrow. Um, our family and our our time now has been so sad for a sister of ours, a sister in Christ of ours who has lost her husband recently. Um, I can't even talk about it too much. It'll, it'll make me weep. But it's so sad to say bye to someone you love and we have her in our thoughts and our prayers and she needs time to weep and she needs time to feel that pain and deal with the pain and go through the pain and we'd just love for her to be so cl close to us and be here so we could minister to her we could it would be a blessing for us to minister to her it, it's it's just sad these moments sometimes some of us go through them almost alone if it weren't for Jesus but with Jesus that's everything he'll see us through great pain uh, those of us who have walked this earth long enough have, have known that pain to say bye to a close family member I know what that feels like losing someone losing a brother especially at the hands of something someone evil or something evil that hurts gotta go through it well, we can learn stuff through these accounts. The Bible's teaching us stuff. The Bible teaches us these things to go through them and know what how to go through them. So now we have the burial at Machpelah. Verse 12. Thus his sons did for him as he had charged them. Of course, all of this information, if you will, is found in chapter 49, 
when Israel's prophecy concerning his sons is delivered. And there's wonderful information there, and I encourage you on your own time, of course, to go ahead and do those studies and read those verses. So in verse 13 now of chapter 50, For his sons carried him to the land of Canaan, and buried him in the cave of the field of Machpelah before Mamre, which Abraham had bought along with the field for a burial site from Ephron the Hittite. Ephron, Ephron the Hittite. So things are being done, of course, orderly to the structure of oaths and uh, culture and tradition and respect and honor. So after he had buried his father, Joseph returned to Egypt, he and his brothers, and all who had gone up with him to bury his father. In verse 15, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph bears a grudge against us and pays us back in full for all the wrong which he did to him? Which we did to him, right? And you can see how that could be a concern with what they've done to him and how Joseph eh, could fall into the temptation that sorrow often brings, which is bitterness or um, vindictiveness or revenge, uh, retaliation. Um, deep sorrow can bring back all sorts of perhaps unhealthy behaviors or memories that had since been put away and dealt with, they, they can bring him back to the forefront and uh, cause problems. You know, with some people, um, that happens, sadly. And sadly, there's always a wolf in sheep's clothing to know that and take advantage of that and use that for his agenda. We've seen what that looks like. So when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph bears a grudge against us and pays us back in full for all the wrong which he, we did to him? You don't want anyone holding a grudge. Remember Herodias holding a grudge against John the Baptist? What happened there? Off with his head. That's the infection of bitterness and how far it can go with a grudge. What if, he, what if Joseph's going to do that? And uh, they shouldn't have thought that way. You know, they should have let it all go. And Joseph had instructed them, like, hey, listen, I don't want us, I don't want you guys or us to get back involved with all of that kind of stuff. Those were some very bad years. And what, what was done was very bad. But it's forgiven. And we're learning how to cope with it. So let's let it go. Don't assume wrong of each other anymore. And let's move forward. Repentance has taken place now. Okay, let's not hold inventory because that indeed is kind of what his brothers are bringing up. Well, what if Joseph has kept all these things in inventory and is just waiting for us, waiting to bring this out and, 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 and you know, treat us unfairly? Well, you shouldn't think that way about your brother. I'm sure he'll be fine. He's not going to. No, no, listen, you shouldn't think that way of Joseph. But you can you can understand the concern in our human nature to want to go to that place again. So in verse 16, they sent a message to Joseph. They're going to act upon their concerns, saying, your father charged before he died, saying, verse 17, thus you shall say to Joseph, please forgive, I beg you, the transgression of your brothers and their sin, for they did you wrong. 
And now, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the, of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Um, that would be a healthy manner, of course, to um, have a resolve where once there was an impasse, now a resolved and a, a fellowship again, reinstated, renewed, and um, a plan forward as a family. Um, sometimes we have to wait many years before that happens because the siblings here were firmly convinced it was Joseph's fault. It was Joseph's fault that we had to do that to him anyways. Uh, some of us know exactly what that is. Um, some of us have had to go through that with individuals in our family who are firmly convinced that we are the guilty party and it's all our fault and we're the abandons and we're the this and we're the that, when in fact they're just polluted and contaminated by toxic manipulation and lawless and, and vain and weak ways, worldly ways, and so on and so forth. But time has a way to bring us to our knees and to reflect on history and the history of the family and what happened and how it happened and by whose hand and so on and so forth. And we are truly wise not to keep grudge and we are wise to forgive when humble uh, forgiveness is uh, required. And his siblings put it very plain, very clearly. Please forgive, I beg you, the transgression of your brothers and their sin, for they did you wrong. Now, did this, did this truly take place by the mouth of Jacob, Israel? Or are they so fearful now that they again are going to practice lawlessness? by inserting a deception, something that Jacob never said. Well, Joseph will never know if Jacob never said this. Let's just do it so he doesn't hate us. No, that's not the way to go about it. <laughs> that would not be the way to go about it. If it is genuine, then it is good that you shared that with Joseph. It's good that you shared this with Joseph. So if there would be any reservations or any slight uh, um, emotional grudges against them from Joseph's mind, well, then this maybe could uh, remedy the situation. Thus you shall say to Joseph, please forgive, I beg you, the transgression of your brothers and their sin, for they did you wrong. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. It's a very emotional time for Joseph. Then his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, behold, we are your servants. Not only is repentance required and was practiced, renewal came about and healing, and God blessed them. And now, through repentance, one must produce the fruits. So, though they stopped practicing lawlessness against their brother, now it's time to actively practice what is good and right towards their brother by being a servant. It's one thing if you are uh, a thief, and you rob people. Um, if you repent of that, that means you stop doing that. You've changed your mind. You've recognized, I can't do that. That's wrong. It's hurting people. It's hurting God. It's hurting me, my eternal life. It'll take it away if I keep being a thief. So you come to that, to that knowledge, to that education, that change of mind. Well, that's good, and you should, and you, you have to. It's necessary. But it doesn't stop there, you see. It's not, well, now I'm not a thief anymore, so I'm okay. 
well, you're certainly okay not being a thief anymore, but it's more than that. You now have to be active. You now have to produce. You now have to do something good. And what is good is becoming a servant. So now you've gone from being a thief to being a giver. Someone who is who found the joy and blessing of giving back. And being a servant is certainly one of them. So his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. Producing fruits of repentance is what we're seeing here. The very thing, of course, John the Baptist would say in the New Testament. You must produce fruits of repentance. We must be able to see your change because it produces something. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for, I, for am I in God's place? I am not the one who has the power to condemn and destroy. Uh, I am a servant like you. We serve. And that's where some Christians miss the mark. Sadly, some preachers miss the mark. Some mission workers miss the mark. They come in with a heavy hand and a head puffed up with pride, and they think they know everything. They're right in their own mind. They are twisted. And uh, they condemn with a heavy hand. If you were to question their misguided opinions or practices or scruples, and they are divisive, and they split churches, and they slander, and they push away the faithful, and they devour the weak, and they have slanderous things to say, and they gossip, and they whisper, and they, they creep and crawl in the darkness. And uh, they are the chaos, and they are the problem. And they miss it. They truly miss the love of Christ. They are firmly convinced they know the love of Christ, but they don't. They miss it greatly. One can't build in that fashion. And Joseph, if any example of success in a realm of unbelievers, as a believer, we should be wise to recognize his uh, position. He could have. He was in authority to, 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 to request upon Pharaoh the removal of someone's life. Joseph says to his siblings, do not be afraid, for am I in God's place? You and I are servants. You know, I preach, I teach. I labor alongside the East Coast Church of Christ. All of us evangelize. All of us are equal here. We just have different offices and different tasks, but we work together as the body of Christ. You know, one may be an arm, the other one may be a leg, but we're all walking together in the doctrine of our Lord and Master. We have elders. Yet you wouldn't know it because they don't walk around puffed up saying, I'm the elder here. You wouldn't know it. They are humble. And so we work together as a team, a family. And uh, we recognize all uh, of us, independently and collectively, the need for God's grace. We need God's grace. So I can't go behind the pulpit and condemn anyone. I don't have that power. But a pharisaical or diatrophic brute, he believes he is God incarnate. He is a walking Bible, so therefore he can condemn because he knows the law. And sadly, Joseph could have, well, fortunately, Joseph didn't fall into that trap. But sadly, unfortunately, many do, and still yet today, creeping into churches unnoticed and causing problems. So Joseph says to, to his, his brethren, his siblings, don't be afraid, 
for uh, am I in God's place? I can't condemn you. I'm a servant, just like you. That's how you will grow. Because you'll begin to recognize God's work. That's a, that's a powerful thing. It really is, and it has taught me so much. Um, it's humbled me. It's It has pierced me into repentance. It has changed the way I saw things, and God blessed me with discernment. came with great sorrow, but it, it worked nonetheless. Um, we just serve the people with the, with the word, and we do so with love of the word and love of people's souls. But I can't condemn you, nor can I send you to paradise either. I can't send you to heaven. I don't have that power. I don't have the power to send you to heaven or hell. I can't judge you to that measurement. I can judge you. I'm commanded to judge you with the realm of right and wrong, good and evil. But I do not have the judgment of sentencing. I can't send you to heaven or hell. I can't condemn you. Sadly, the Pharisaical missed that mark, didn't they? They thought they knew the law, and because they thought they knew the, the law, they put their hope in the law, thinking salvation was in the law, not the lawmaker, the law, and they thought themselves so versed in the law that they could condemn people. We see that today all the time as well. Yeah, see, I used to have an individual who I thought was one of my closest friends. I loved him dearly. Um, and there were many red flags that I should have picked up earlier in life with him, but uh, he, he's one of these individuals. And there are many like him. They're just so blinded to it, you see. Um, and sadly, they charm many loyalists. They devour many who are too weak to, to see these things. But I'd rather just look at the accounts we can read in the scriptures and be humble to them. Because humanity has been on this earth for a long time. Thousands of years. To you and I, anyways. And so when Joseph says this to his brethren, his siblings, it's quite important. Do not be afraid, for uh, am I in God's place? Jesus himself said, <clears throat> I did not come to condemn. Now he has the power to condemn. And he, on the day of judgment, I assure you, all who have not followed his word faithfully and loved him as he has first loved us, will find themselves in a very difficult situation. That, that's scary to me. Because I know we need God's grace as much as anybody else. But Jesus didn't walk this earth for the purpose to condemn everyone to hell. Quite to the contrary. He came here to seek and to search and seek and find those who are lost and, and, and give them the message of life, the opportunity of life, right? Verse 20. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result, to preserve many people alive. Very important stuff. Practical application just all over this verse. These two verses. You see, Diotrephes, he creeps in unnoticed. He manipulates yourself, himself inside your life. He infiltrates your life. And he takes advantage of you and your kind heart. And he recognizes your weaknesses to his advantage, of course. And he'll begin to whisper and recruit and cause issues and, and, and division. And he'll slander. And he'll, he's a bold-faced liar. And he causes much pain. And he splits the church. 
but he pushes away the faithful, and he keeps the delinquents, and he recruits them as loyalists. And at the moment of the attack, one is found in deep sorrow. The faithful are in deep sorrow and begging God for answers as to what took place and how it took place. And God heals us. He gives us the answers. Here's what happened. You allowed a diatrophic individual into your life, into your family, into, your ch into the church, and he did what they do. They are self-righteous brutes. They split. They cause chaos. They divide families, marriages, and friendships, and churches. That's what they do. They're evil workers. But with enough time, you begin to see the work of God in it. Not that he, God, caused the evil, but he permitted it to happen. So that the consequence could be a teaching tool of wisdom. And when you look at it afterwards, after all that pain, you recognize how he actually saved you. He did not do the evil act, but he saved you. Uh, this is, okay, let me make sense with an illustration. The devil thought he had conquered Christ when Jesus was on the cross, correct? The devil's been wanting to murder Jesus since the beginning. And here he has him finally on a cross, dying. The devil was certain he had conquered. I conquered. I've got Jesus on the cross. He's dying. Ha ha ha. I win. I win. I win. But Jesus, he conquers death. And he is resurrected. And the word of the Christ is spread around the world. God didn't uh, promote or encourage the devil in bringing Christ to the cross. But he permitted it for the necessity of redemption for mankind and the greater goal of the gospel, of course. So at times we go through some very difficult and sorrowful moments in life and loss, separation, all these things at the hands of evil individuals who call themselves Christians, who call themselves podcasters or gospel preachers or whatever. But they have a resume of chaos behind them and devastation and division. But God takes from what you've gone through and he blesses you, the faithful. And you see the big picture after a while. You're like, wow. Now I know why Jesus needed to die. Now I know why these things have happened. They had to... Ha God is powerful. And if we trust him, we'll recognize. And that's how you can persevere through bad moments. I'm not smart enough to come up with this stuff. We've been reading it through the Bible. We've been going through it through this account. Joseph's siblings sold him into Egyptian bondage to be forever forgotten in the oubliette of paganism, heathenism. Who cares about Joseph? We hate him anyways. He persevered and is successful through God in a position of power and authority in Egypt. And many years pass by and providence brings back the brother, his brethren, his, his siblings to Joseph and Joseph forgives them. Because they're humble now. They're, they're submissive. They, they confess their sins. They're seeking unity. 
And what a beautiful reunion it was. So now Joseph can reflect on all of it. But on the moment in which they were throwing him in a hole and wanting him to be taken by the Egyptians, I mean, you can see that Joseph at that very moment was just looking for answers, devastated and broken why his own people, his own brothers would do that to him. Like, what happened there? But now, looking back, you can see God's providence throughout the time, the timeline, and be like, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm sad and sorry it had to happen that way. But now with what we have, we see the blessing. Sometimes God has to allow bad things to happen to you so that he can rescue you from bad things and bad people. As strange as you and I might be with that, wrapping around our thoughts, it's a, it's a scriptural principle and angle, and, and it's through God's providence and power. And I find that quite fascinating, truly. And it's what has allowed us to, to persevere and to grow. So, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result, to persevere many people alive. Sometimes you have bad things happen, and God will permit it to happen. Sometimes it's at your hand. Maybe we have a blind spot. Maybe we've been deceived and charmed by evil people, and we fall prey to their, to their slander or their, 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 their manipulation, and bad things happen. But if you're humble to God, He can take that around and use it for what is good. God took what the devil did and save the world, mankind, through his son. It, it, I suppose I'm speaking a wisdom you have to live through to understand. And I'm very saddened at how many brethren who have been in the church for 30, 40 years who still can't discern this. So it's a powerful verse, and I feel it quite personal. As for you, you meant it against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result. So therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Now, in verse 22, Joseph, the death of Joseph, Joseph stayed in Egypt, he and his father's household, and Joseph lived 110 years. 110 years. And Joseph saw the third generation of Ephraim's sons, also the sons of Machar and the son of Manasseh, were born on Joseph's knees. And in verse 24, Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will surely take care of you and bring you up from this land to the land which he promised on oath to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. God is true. God is faithful. He keeps his promise. He will never break his promise. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely take care of you, and you shall carry my bones up from here. And in verse 26, Joseph died at the age of 110 years, and he was embalmed and placed in a coffin in Egypt. And that's something. What a... Uh, what an encouraging conclusion to the account with everything this family's gone through 
And we've been following this family from the very beginning. I mean, we started our study in Genesis chapter 1. And we saw the lineage. And we saw the carnage of lawlessness in these families. But yet we saw the blessings of God in their faithfulness. And you and I today can apply this to our lives. In very real time. And it's a wonderful thing to have faith in God. Faith in God. No matter what you go through, no matter how deep and devastating the loss, God can turn it around for what is good if you allow it, if, you, if, you, if you're humble to receive it. Now at the very sting and moment in which you are attacked, you may not have the answers and you may be scrambling and begging God for answers. Give him time, you will, you will receive the answers. You will receive the answers. Stefan Maez, my name, addedsouls.com is the website. I labor alongside the East Coast Church of Christ over here in New Brunswick, Canada. The East Coast Church of Christ is a beautiful and wonderful church. It belongs to Jesus, he and he alone. And he is doing his work, and we are growing. And we certainly understand this account that we've been reading. And we've gone through it. And we know what evil can do. And we know how evil speaks and is manipulative. But through a great evil that was done to us, God utilized us and blessed us. He kept the faithful. And the toxic and the wicked are withdrawn from. And they will fall to their demise, spiritually, if no repentance is to take place. You are loved and you are appreciated. Please consider subscribing, liking, sharing, all that kind of stuff. Give a comment. That helps us move forward, reaching people like you and I who may find benefit in the material. And please consider signing up to addedsouls.locals.com. You can sign up there for free. But once you're there, you can support the work monthly. And it would be much appreciated if you'd seek that opportunity. You can also send donation through PayPal, addedsouls at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to me and we can have a video chat. You can have a phone call or an email exchange if you seek a physical address. Stay focused and stay positive. Lord willing, tomorrow we shall meet again, 10 a.m. Atlantic Daylight Time for our topical Thursday. If you look at the itinerary, you'll see what we go through out the week Monday through Friday. That all right? Peace out.